A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Howard Hooligans, Steve and I are taking a break from our remakes season. Uh, this was a podcast we had in the can for a couple years, just in case Steve and I needed a week off. This is the film Ex Machina, which is an excellent sci-fi thriller. If you have not seen this film yet, do not listen to this podcast. Do yourself a favor, go watch the film, come back once you've watched the film. Uh, I think Steve gives this his highest Howard rating yet. All right. Let's listen to Rocky yell at Mickey. You'll try. Welcome to Properly Howard, a podcast that reviews classic films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the 2014 science fiction film Ex Machina. Ex Machina is a cautionary tale of technology evolving quicker than humanity's ability to master it. Based on the age-old proverb, don't fall in love with your sex robot. With me, as always, is Dr. Anthony Ladon. Was that the Buddha who said that? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there was a lot of different sources that people claim to have been the origin of that, but... Um... Or the old cowboy song, Mama, Don't Let Your Sex Robots Grow Up to Be AI Super Overlords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was either Kierkegaard or uh, Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie Nelson. <laughs> like, if it's bright red, it's it's just superficial, it's fine. Uh-huh. But you don't want it to be, like, dark or black. Is it dark or black? No, it's always bright red. Okay. All right. I mean, not always. Like, I always have blood, but whenever I do, it's always red. Bright red. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of information. Hmm. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I feel like you asked. <laughs> I... I was actually thinking yesterday of asking you this question, which we'll just call that the answer to what I'm about to ask. <laughs> How you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was thinking, like, has there been an old man moment in your life where you thought, oh, shit, I'm an old man? Uh, mostly if I take a real close look at my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was walking down the sidewalk last month and uh it's just me i'm, I'm just i'm walking to the gym and 
It's a public sidewalk, and there is a weed sticking out of the <laughs> sticking out of the sidewalk. <laughs> and I thought, I'll just pull that weed. And I, <laughs> so right there, I mean, that's a warning sign, right? It's like yeah, li- living life weed by weed. That's not your weed, dude. Yeah. That's some old man shit there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, no doubt. And then the weed was more difficult than oh, I had originally oh, thought. <laughs> so, so before you know it, oh, I'm like squatted. I'm like putting my back into it, really try, trying to get this weed up. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, the big public bus goes by, and I realize, like, dude, this is... <laughs> This may be the most embarrassing thing you've ever done. And then, you know, for that moment, I think, well, you know, someone's got to pull these weeds. And then I think, oh, no, I'm I'm all the way gone. Right. (laughs) This is is where you just wander off. (laughs) Just put me in a home. Put me in a home. Well, I put you in a garden, I guess. Put you to use. This is when you start... Putting orange peels in your mouth and scaring little kids. Yeah, exactly. And having a heart attack. Yeah. This is when you're just taking children's noses against their will. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah, it's a pretty good metaphor, though, too. It's like, I mean, nature is basically saying, um, I'm going to endure. You will not. Sure. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? This is just one weed. I can, yeah. I can push up so many weeds. You are the opposite of renewable energy. <laughs> As eventually, you will become fertilizer yeah. for this weed. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a quick little high, little break here. As my dog just threw up on my chair. Oh, no. So, All right. One sec. Um, had you seen this movie before? I have, yeah. How many times? This is only the second time I've seen it. Okay. And what was your impression the first time you saw it? I was like, that that was trippy, dude. <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked it yeah. the first time. Yeah, I was a fan when I when I I like a lot of the A twenty four produced stuff anyway. But so this was your second time. Mm-hmm. I yeah, you know, I think this is probably my third time, and I I think this time I was thinking. Am I a little less impressed this time than I was before? Oh yeah. Sort of th- thinking that through the middle, and then it kind of hits that fever pitch, kind of midway through, and it is sufficiently creepy without kind of, it's it's creepy in an unexpected way. You know, everything is sort of like clean. Everything is sort of like presenting as you know just a, kind of a science experiment, and the stakes are pretty low, but you just get a sense that. Yeah, this guy is rotten. Like, yeah, Oscar Isaac's character is just perfect for this. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. It, that's the. It's wild, like the the uh, degrees of horror that are in this uh-huh. uh, in this film, right? I mean, you have like everyone's essentially kept captive by this Nathan character, right? Um, and he's he. It's like he's in control of everything, right? And even. Uh, whether you know robot or human, he this is it's all on on his terms is sort of how it's played. He out really kind of plays that kind of billionaire, you know, genius billionaire pretty well. 
I mean, it's sort of like this easy vacillation between like jovial big brother who you kind of want, you know, you want him to think you're cool. Right, yeah. And then he kind of like slips into total asshole. You feel stupid, but you really shouldn't because proving an AI is exactly as problematic as you said it would be. What was the real test? You. Ava was a rat in a maze, and I gave her one way out. To escape, she'd have to use self-awareness, imagination, manipulation, sexuality, empathy, and she did. Now, if that isn't true AI, what the fuck is? So my only function was to be someone she could use to escape. Yeah. And you didn't select me because I'm good at coding. No. Well... No. I mean, you're okay. You're even pretty good, but... You selected me based on my search engine inputs. They showed a good kid. With no family. With a moral compass. No girlfriend. Did you design Ava's face based on my pornography profile? Oh, shit, dude. Did you? Hey, if a search engine's good for anything, right? <laughs> and it's almost like this guy has lived in a world that he just completely dominates for so long that he no longer has a grip on regular human ethics. Right. Right. And but you don't and because we don't know his backstory, we don't know his origins, we don't know if it's wealth or intelligence, what is it that brought him to this point? It, and it almost doesn't matter, right? I mean, and in many ways, this sort of Nathan serves as somewhat of a, a you know, in the same way that like a Frankenstein uh, novel would do, it, it, it sort of behaves as a critique on God, right? I mean, there's... Yeah, I, I don't think it's subtle. I think it, there is there no. is sort of a theological undercurrent on this film. I felt like the very first time I met Nathan on the screen, I kind of knew he was a little bit of a shit. Right. And so then the question is, how deep does this go? And is maybe is the maybe the twist is that maybe he isn't all that he seems. And I think that that ends up being the case. It's like it's like there's onions of deception. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like levels upon levels of deception. And everyone's kind of deceiving each other in this. I mean, you could say that this is this movie is a little bit less about AI than it is just about people deceiving other people, and who's going to be the best at it. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's what I mean. It'd be you could easily take it as a uh, it's a critique on uh, the the maybe the fast pace of technology and the loss of privacy and and uh, you know internet. You could go net neutrality. All these different conversations you could have, right? And but ultimately, it's you know, it's the human condition and whether it's, uh, like I said, with the Frankenstein situation, like nobody was creating people out of body parts. Right. So that was, so it wasn't, that wasn't a critique on, right. uh, on, on a, on a thing that was happening necessarily, but it is, a, it is the idea of what happens when humanity, what is what is the what is the the end of any type of of human creation? I mean, are humans essentially destined to deceive and maybe destroy? Right? I mean, there's this sense of of we can almost do no good. 
Right. And I think that there's something about like a, sh- a super, super small cast. Like this was sort of pre-COVID, right? But it could have been, this could have been easily been sort of a, a, some, a, a movie that was created in a COVID set. Because there's what, like 10, there's 10 actors in the entire movie. And there's only like yeah. really four that matter, right? Right, right. Um, and so when you do those kind of short casts, you can really spotlight a particular question of the human condition. Um, it was all, this could almost be like a play, you know. This, this, right. The the location is kind of awesome, but it's still it's pretty simple. All you need is a. A cool house in the wilderness, and you got yourself a set, basically. Yeah, and that was pretty great, too, because you, you don't spend a lot of time in throughout the house, right? So you could really limit even the, the setting in that regard, because it's like this underground research lab or whatever is really where you've got the, the like the majority of what you have going on and by not having windows i mean you could just do whatever you want with it and so i think i, I mean it and but they do a, such a good job the director does such a good job of, of still making it feel vast and and claustrophobic at the same time like you you believe you're in this large space and because they refer to it and they refer to the outside and you've seen the outside setting as he you know as this massive estate essentially um mm-hmm. and uh and it's so yeah i mean it's like there it really does a good job of of want the escape concept feels so authentic because you are trapped for a lot of it but you get just these little glimpses of the outside and it's like it, can, it really it's an it's an effective use of space and i think by having so few people well you yeah you even have that metaphor of the computer on the inside and then the outside being pretty wild right right and so you do have that metaphor of this this AI is going to graduate at some point and be out in the wild, and that's when this person's life is really going to begin. Right. Um, and I I mean I thought I thought everyone I thought like the four principal actors in this movie I thought everyone was amazing. Um, what was your what's your what's kind of your experience with Oscar Isaac? as an actor um this is probably the first movie i ever saw him in but i didn't register like i you know it wasn't until i rewatched it that i was like oh that's oscar isaac um because i remember the the nathan character uh really having an impact on me when i first saw the film and so i was looking forward to, to watching the character again and i didn't realize it was oscar isaac so my relationship with him okay. is mostly like you know poe dameron Dune. I don't have a, a lot of Oscar Isaac. Uh, uh, sure. Maybe I have a, a more of a relationship than I realized since I didn't remember he was even in this when I first saw it. So. <laughs> well, he started to be kind of a... I mean, he, he'll he do every now and again a think piece like this. But then he's also been in some stuff like Moon Knight and Star Wars and Dune. This is all kind of like popcorn kind of movie stuff. Right. Um, the, did you notice the Kyoko actress? Did you recognize her from anything else? Um, she's the robot that doesn't speak. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't. You just recently saw her in House of the Dragon. Is that right? Oh, okay. Okay. So she was in that. She was also in Devs. I don't know. Did you ever see Devs? No. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, interesting parallel to this this movie. Uh, really worth watching if you're into kind of high-minded sci-fi stuff. Okay. All right. And then, of course, we have the Caleb character, right? right. So Caleb is, I don't think I, I, I think the only thing I, I've ever seen him in besides this is the most recent Star Wars films. I, I've seen him. I've, what have I seen him in? Um, I did see About Time. <laughs> that that and that's probably the most memorable one that I can remember. I guess he was in uh, Harry Potter. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, about time. Yeah, the, uh, he's another one that I've probably like. Like I feel like I've seen him in more stuff. So, but I probably have, but maybe not. Uh, maybe to make a point to. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, for sure he was. Uh, what was it? What was he in uh, Star Wars? Was it Hux or something? Was that Huck? Uh, yeah, Huck. Yeah, General Hux. Oh, just General Hux? Mm-hmm. He's just your General Hux. Your average <laughs> run-of-the-mill Hux. Not a, not a major Hux. All right. Um, do you got an elevator pitch for this movie? Uh, I think it goes back to that proverb. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's like uh, sexy Terminator. that do anything for you? <laughs> sexy Terminator. Uh yeah, I could see that. Um all right, so Ava is the the main AI character, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it does it de- but it does like that's what the movie does, right? Is it starts to make you question, right? And and sort of like kind of like the the Westworld approach where you're like, well, is she the only AI? And mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and um yeah, on the surface of it, she's the AI, right? right? So and uh, you know the premise is that they they brought in this you know young young guy who works at Nathan's company named Caleb, and Caleb's basically going to do the Turing test to figure out if you know he can determine whether or not this artificial intelligence is sentient um, or has developed some kind of consciousness. And I think that the first question that the show presents you with, I guess after the question of whether Nathan is, how full of shit Nathan actually is. I think the first question that it presents you is, is why are these power cuts happening? Mm -hmm. What's going on with these power cuts? Caleb has this moment where Caleb has to decide who's, who is owed my allegiance. Right. Do, do, am I going to side with the robot or am I going to side with the, the mad scientist? I guess the, the movie's tricking you into thinking, She's innocent. She's sweet. You know, she is, you know, she's without blemish. And this guy's a monster. Right. And so, of course, the right thing to do is to side with the AI. And I think that most movies will make you a lot more suspicious of the artificial intelligence going in. Right. Right. So you, yeah. So you're, we're all kind of Caleb in this situation, right? I mean, we, yeah, we, we get the war, we you know, because we get to, to to hear the warnings. I mean, she's made to be very innocent looking. Um, Nathan, I mean, we nobody really knows for sure what his motives are. Um, you know, if she says he can't be trusted, and it's like, well, immediately you're like, well, yeah, he, I don't. He, he doesn't seem like a guy that could be trusted, right? Like, what? <laughs> why do you even? Why is he making all this, right? Why is he making? It's kind of crazy because I think that most. 
AI movies, and there's been, what, like a million of them, right? Most AI movies will make you immediately suspicious. What is this superhuman intelligence going to do if we let it out of this box? Right, right. And this one was like, is this superhuman intelligence have a crush on me? (laughs) (laughs) It's a little goofy in that way. But I think it kind of works. Would you like to know how old I am? Sure. I'm one. One what? One year or one day? One. When did you learn how to speak, Ava? I always knew how to speak. And that's strange, isn't it? Why? Because language is something that people acquire. Well, some people believe language exists from birth. And what is learned is the ability to attach words and structure to the latent ability. Do you agree with that? I don't know. Will you come back tomorrow, Caleb? Yes. She's playing this on a few levels. Like, you believe that she's a machine, but she's also a machine that can kind of mimic human behavior so well that you kind of believe the lie. Well, and also, you know, and this, you know, sorry, coders and engineers out there, but this guy is a coder. Um, he's probably not great with people and probably doesn't hang this around is the with first time, <laughs> first time a girl's ever looked at it. Right? <laughs> that and the fact that, like, if you hang out with coders and engineers, um, you tell me they're not robots. <laughs> Good luck. So and he almost, and Caleb almost speaks that way, right? Like it's funny. It's yeah. watching it again, and you're like, you know, the Nathan character is constantly like uh, trying to get him to to not be so analytical and to speak just like it's basically just like talk like a regular person is kind of what he's getting at, right? Uh-huh. Which I think is fascinating because here he is trying to create this artificial intelligence that is more colloquial and more you know it has the ability to to relate on a on a more human level and so here you have Caleb who you're kind of doing the experiment on and and he's he's having to learn that too to some degree um and I, so I think that's kind of a fascinating thing that really creates a parallel between Caleb and Ava and um and then kind of puts Nathan in this in this interesting spot when you talk about like kind of switching the tropes up where you trust the AI more than you trust uh, the sure. scientist, but you've got here. You have this guy who's he's this mastermind. He's this you know next level genius, and he's the he's the he's drinking beers and he's uh, he's hungover and he's trying to he's hey just 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 talk to me man give me your first reaction you know it's like so instead of you know so that sort of upsets that a little bit and he's the one that's the um, the more casual more human in some in some way yeah he presents as like i don't want you to view me as a scientist i want you to view me as uh either an artist or a god or somewhere in between right right that's how i want and so so we need to talk poetically we we should talk about jackson pollock and we should like quote the begata vita you know all of this i just feel like nathan is this guy who knows that he's five steps ahead of Caleb all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so he's just totally unimpressed with anything Caleb has to say. And then, of course, the the big twist of the movie is that Caleb actually gets one over on Nathan. Right. And then you've got a twist within the twist, and you find out that Ava's been kind of, uh, you know, using Caleb 
to get out of the maze, right? Yeah, and so in some ways, Nathan's demise, if it, sort of like his inevitable inevitable creation, right? This is, it's like he made this, and like it almost had to, right? I mean, like, where if he was really aware, and maybe he was aware to some degree, but like, this is where it has to go, right? I and mean, how do you, how do you make that successful? How can you successfully basically create uh, intelligence and not have it somewhat, I mean, what, what does humanity do, right? That's, a, that's kind of the, the concept, I think, is what's going on. It's like, you know, uh, humanity, once it tries to step beyond itself, once it tries to step into sort of this, you know, deified range, they don't have, we're, we're bad. We're bad to the core. So we're going to create, you know, you've got the whole uh, mm-hmm. uh, Oppenheimer correlation too, right? You know, it's like, well, hey, look at our intelligence has given us the ability to create the atomic bomb. You know, is this the best? Is this this is the what my genius can do is is destroy? Yeah, us at our best is us at our worst, right? Right. And so, so what happens is like, so he creates this artificial intelligence and it's, if I'm going to create an artificial human, well, what's that human going to do? It's going to kill. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's that's the thing. It's like if if, if I'm truly successful, I'm going to create something that's going to kill, and it's going to kill because I was successful in making it human. So that's kind of an that's sort of that spiral mm-hmm. uh, effect that goes on, and that's what I feel is more of the critique than say any of the cyber stuff that goes on in the technology, because I think that all plays a really nice backdrop and it lures you in like, Ooh, what is this saying about our privacy? What is this saying about our, you know, rampant technology? What is it? Well, it's just, it's what it's saying is whether it's this, whether it's the atomic bomb, whether it's uh, learning how to create fire, (laughs) we're gonna kill. It's just what we do. Well, and we're going to create something that is going to supersede us. Nathan says this outright. He says, we are basically outmoded. Mm-hmm. And 10,000 years from now, our creation, our AI is going to look back at us like we're apes. And I, th- I thought this is a really fascinating question that I didn't know how to answer. All right, so here's the question. Do you think that Ava really does have a crush on Caleb? No. This is all a ruse the whole the whole time. Right. I think she knew that that would get what she wanted because I think ultimately um, okay. I don't know that they've cre- like there's a difference between artificial intelligence and I think artificial like emotions. Right. I mean, I, or in, in the sense that if she's collecting, if she's basically a product of collected information, right, then she knows this how to how to use that information. This Frankenstein's monster was not created from body parts, but created from, you know, search histories, things like that. Right. And and so I think the idea that uh, she's adapting, she adapts to to him, and she watches the the, you know, she's the lie detector. She can check all of his tells. She can. Uh, yeah. So I, I I don't I don't think she was truly created for that. Right. I think she. All right. Let me. All right, I think I agree with you, but let me let me just play the other side here for a second. She's a sort of a unique supercomputer because she's presented as a supercomputer that's fascinated with human behavior, right? She's just as fascinated about him as he is about her. Or at least that's what she's pretending to be, right? right? She wants to interview him, find out about his childhood. She cares whether he's lying or not. 
you know, she kind of cares, like, do you find me attractive? Why, why are you embarrassed right now? This whole thing is her being fascinated with human behavior. Now, that could all be a ruse, but part of what she wants to do on their date is to go people watch. She wants to go to a street that has this sort of permanence and impermanence so she can kind of watch people do people shit on the street, Mm -hmm. right? Well, that wasn't a ruse. She really did want to do that. You get the sense, like, she broke out. She immediately went to a busy city street to people watch. So she really is fascinated with people. So I think it is possible that she did have a crush on him, even if it was like for like a nanosecond before she figured out how to like use him to get out. But you do get the sense that she is fascinated with human human people, right? Well, so then I would I would say then then that might even be a further critique on what what is it about a crush? What is it why do we fall for someone? Do we fall for someone because they're our soulmate or do we fall for someone because we're fascinated by them? And we want to to leverage that fascination uh to you know to whatever end right i mean and and so for her uh i don't know that she would be looking like oh i'm looking for i have a crush in a in the way that he might be having a crush which would be maybe to to a sexual end for her it was i'm fascinated i could like she's she's johnny five she wants input Right. I mean, Mm, so she's mm -hmm. so in the same way that Johnny Five uh, enjoys Ali Sheedy and or Steve Gutenberg, it's more because of the input they can provide, not anything else. Malfunction. Need input. Input. All right. Right. You got it. Okay. This is a house. We live within it, inside it. We have a floor, see? And we have the opposite of a floor, which is a ceiling. Look up. Well, and I guess he's kind of exotic, right? If she's been in this room, and she's a machine designed to soak in information. Right. And and it's sort of like, Nathan's probably given her all of the information that he's willing to give her. What can, what can she draw? She can only draw the, the one plant that's outside of her window. So then he comes in, and he's like endlessly fascinating for what like two days or something right because he's he's exotic information and she wants to soak him in and then of course it's like all right i've soaked this guy in how can i use him to get out right and because 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 there's i know that there's a world full of caleb's and i just got and i can just watch caleb's i can get them all i can because because she's that's the thing it's like this is this is i can be done with this one i can go find the next this is my dog's kibble right Oh, my dogs are crazy about this kibble. Oh, this kibble. You and he, when I bring out that kibble, oh, man, that guy's doing it. He's doing it. Bring it. But then they go outside, and then they find, like, a gopher head. Or they find a cat turd. Yeah, the guy who they just loved was giving them kibble, tells them to put that down. They're like, to hell with you. This is the business. I mean, there's a whole world out here with cat turds. I don't care about you. You're kibble boy. There's a there's a cat turd paradise out here. I'm not listening. For some to reason you. now the the Jackson Pollock metaphor doesn't quite seem as it's powerful as divine as it did before. <laughs> um, I I just want to say one more time that I think Oscar Isaac was amazing. I thought it was the freaky. All right, so let me tell you the freaky parts for me. 
the dance. The freak. Yes, it was <laughs> absolutely. I'm gonna tear up the dance floor, <laughs> and then to see him have this choreographed dance with, and we don't know that she's AI yet, but you kind of get the sense right. like that that was sort of the reveal. Like, this is she can't speak English, but they've been practicing this dance together. This is a little odd. I told you, you're wasting your time talking to her. However, you would not be wasting your time if you were dancing with her. Go ahead, dance with her. Dance with her. No? You don't like dancing? She does. Come on, buddy. After a long day of Turing test, you gotta unwind. What were you doing with Ava? What? You tore up her picture. I'm gonna tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check it out. But the whole way that they shot the scene where he just he just seems like he's about half drunk, and he's just like like some of his mask has fallen, mm. so you can kind of see how evil he really is. And just to dance at someone in a very menacing way. Like to use disco for evil. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. that was really interesting he's, to me. He's weaponized funk. <laughs> yeah. I, that moment was really good. Well, and I think it's and it is and it continues to 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 humanize him, which I think again, that's the point, right? Like I think you're supposed to be the more human he appears, the more dangerous he is, because that's the critique, right? It's humanity that's really the the terrifying notion of of all of this. Um, and so, I, I when he's the idea that it's like, yeah, I've been cooped up in cooped up is fun to think about on this massive estate, right? But he's so alone um, because he's he, he trying to hoard this this research, and he doesn't he's not ready to let it out and. Uh, and the idea that at some point it was like, well, if I could get one to dance, you know, and and we could and we could do a little thing because like that had like that had to have happened. Like he had to have that was a choice that was made somewhere along this journey of going through different prototypes. And he settled in on this and he's like, yeah, I got to dance. And then and so there's this sense of like, like, oh, I'm this is kind of tedious dealing with Caleb. I know he's going, I knew this was part of the risk, but finally someone can see that I can, I can dance with these robots. This is like, that's so terrifying. That's, and it's just insane to think about that. That was a priority during this, this whole process. Um, this, uh, all right. So then there's this notion about him kind of losing it. Uh, Caleb is looking in the mirror he gets out his razor, and he decides, "I think I'm gonna cut my arm open to find out if I'm a robot." And th- and I wasn't sure, like, is this a dream sequence? Is this really happening? What's going on here? Is he gonna, you know, is this a, is he hallucinating? Right. I wasn't really certain, but then it gets referred to the next day. Right. Um. So there's this moment. It's unspoken. No, and no one, no one actually puts words to it. But he's his head is so messed with that he starts to think, well, am I, if I'm being tested, am I the AI? Like, maybe I was, maybe I'm programmed to think I'm human. Right, right. And that's how much of this, and it's what's crazy, this isn't over like, 
a month, two months of being in isolation. This is just a few days, and and the experience is so uh, overwhelming, and it's yeah. it's and it's such a uh, you know it's just this this mind trip that he's going on that that it's like yeah he's like well I don't know I mean how do I know how do I know my yeah, memories how do, know? how do I know my memories weren't just programmed I mean that's that's the whole thing and that's it for artificial intelligence to 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 really work theoretically right I mean it's it has to believe it it existed yeah he's seen yeah right he's seen technology to him for the first time that makes him think what I what I thought was real is not real and and at that point I'm not even sure what is real and what isn't even to the point that I'm not sure if I'm real or not right um I think the first time I saw it I didn't like that part of it I thought they it wasn't really something that they had developed it was kind of like this odd scene in the middle of the movie that it really doesn't get commented on but I think on rewatch I think it was a really effective little bit of horror that they've added to a movie that, you know, pretty much could be thought of as a thriller. Right. Otherwise. Uh, who's this movie for, Steve? Um, for mature audiences. <laughs> it's a little bit nerd porn. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. They, they could have done a little bit less of that for, for my taste. Yeah, I mean, and it, uh, it did... Add a level of creepiness, though I think. Um, sure. Uh, to because like then I'm like ah, very uncomfortable. What what's going on here besides dancing? <laughs> uh, is there a cliche device or trope in this film that you liked that you appreciated? Oh, give me give me robots that uh, give me sinister robots any day. <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, I uh, I'm I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for I mean again going back to the the Frankenstein being one of my all time favorite novels uh, anytime you start dealing with uh, master and creation um, what's the motivation the the idea of uh, uh, that getting getting beyond the 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 creator's intent I love that I mean I I, I I'll soak that up all the time yeah yeah and you did have the uh, I guess homage there when she's looking for new body parts right, right? yeah she's, she's got to go replace the arms if she finds an arm of you know another robot and she's got to put on the skin of the other robots she's kind of harvesting body parts uh, that was a little bit of frankenstein yeah yeah um i i for some reason when the power cuts hit and everything goes red and it's like you're in sub subterranean and it's like red lighting like that should not work on me, right? I know that that's like really, really standard mood setting stuff, but for some reason it works on me. Like, like just changing the light, making it a little bit more spooky, that really had an effect on me in this movie. You're like in a submarine. <laughs> that, that was it. That was totally it. Is there one tweak that you would make to this movie? Yeah, I think I'm probably with you. Maybe a little less on the um, uh, the graphic nudity part because it does. Uh... I mean, part of you thinks, "Hey, but that's a machine." But then you're like, "But that is that a machine or is that an actress playing the machine?" Right. Like, I yeah. don't know how to think about this. Yeah, but it did. It is kind of like work with one of the key themes of the movie, right? 
I mean, it's hard to say if it's gratuitous or not, just because it does, like, I mean, it, it's a real part of what the film would be, but, I mean, maybe, maybe a little much. Um, I think I actually could have used a little bit more of that, like, the, the sequence you say where, you know, you didn't know if it was a dream, when he's cutting himself into that, like, I mean... I think it. I think that could have been maybe a little bit more fleshed out. Um, you know, no pun intended. But uh, because I think it really is a cool idea and it's a really cool concept. And maybe if he had been there longer, there could be more of that. All right. This is not one of the questions, but I've thought about this pretty often since I first saw this movie. Would you watch a sequel, or would you be interested in them making a sequel to this? I don't movie? know. I I like. I, this is how I prefer my movies to end. Uh, they feel more like you're reading a short story, right? Like where you've, yeah, opening to possibility. Right? Yeah, and I, because I, because like the idea, like I don't, I love the idea that I have no idea if, if Caleb gets out. <laughs> so it, and it's such an and that is such a fascinating thing too, right? I mean, because like the whole thing is this, she just turns him into a prisoner, right? I mean, and that's and. And I, I love that. I just love the idea that we don't know what she's going to do. Um, she may not be a, a murderous robot. I mean, she has killed, but she killed her creator, right? I mean, and that was part of the the means to the end, right? That's how I get out of here. She killed the creator, which you could say he deserved it, right? Sure. But then she used the other robot to kind of do her dirty work for her. Mm-hmm. And then... The robot is just sort of like was just like a tool that she like discarded at the end, right? And then you realize that Caleb was a tool as well, so you get the sense that like now we have this creature out in the world, in a, you know, in a major city near you, who has like these you know superhuman intelligence and the ability to manipulate humans mm-hmm. um, in very very spooky ways. I'm kind of wondering, like, is that a good movie? Like, do I want to see that movie? Part of me feels like, don't mess with this. This is yeah, kind yeah. of perfect. I think so. I agree with you on that one. I don't I don't have an appetite for more. I think this is, I love, it, it wraps up pretty nicely in, in many ways, right? I mean, when you, the reveal that Nathan was really the experiment, or Caleb was really the experiment, uh, that was Nathan. And, and then, so what happens at the end, he basically, now he's locked in there and he stays back like he really was like like well you you were always the robot so there you go and yeah. uh and then nathan's you know like i said nathan's creation nathan's uh, work proved itself to be exactly what it was gonna be and it and it had to kill him i mean that's the way it goes <laughs> that's that's how this has to be and uh and so i yeah I, I don't have any like i feel like all of those things that that the way it ends is like yeah that's that's where the story was supposed to go why would you it doesn't matter what happens that yeah it could it could movie... be interesting but I, I i to me that that's i'm way less... i think you might be able to make a movie i think you might be able to make a a, a sequel interesting well you just call it but... westworld yeah sure yeah right i I think it's it's a very low probability that you can that it would work. I think a sequel could work. I think it's something that sort of develops some of these themes in a different way, and sort of Ava comes in toward the end of the movie, or Caleb comes in and toward the end of the movie. But it would have to expand. I mean, this this movie was really tight, right? And I think that you're gonna. 
probably 90% chance that a sequel doesn't work. Right. Is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard movie? It's probably a, it's probably a Howard plus five. Howard plus five, that's a very high score. Mm-hmm. It's a very high, meaningless wow. score. Yeah, people will be talking about this forever. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Howard plus four point five. Okay, that's better. Just to kind of underbid you, then. <laughs> yeah. give Howard more credit than that. <laughs> Is there half the battle one to grow on moment? Um, yeah, you know, like get get on Tinder. Like, like, don't don't create a super computer for your sex robot. Yeah, and, or just you know, yeah, go meet some people. <laughs> uh, how about this one? How about um, don't make a super intelligence like that? That's it. That just that's it. Don't make a super intelligence. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the he had the uh, was it the line something along the lines of like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, it's not. A, yeah, it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, his, if you could do it, wouldn't you do it? Yeah, right. and that and that and that sort of again going back to sort of the theological idea, like the you know, I want to don't create humanity. That's the that's the half. Of yeah, the I mean, there, there's a because like there is some fun like uh, almost Garden of Eden type stuff going on, right? Where Ava plays like almost every role <laughs> in the garden, and like oh yeah, you're right because it's so it's. You get the idea that, like, if, if you were on, on its surface, you get the idea that Nathan is, you know, Nathan is God. He's put uh, Ava and Caleb there, and he's like, "All right, let's let's see how this let's see how this humanity idea works that I created, right?" And uh-huh. um, but then she also serves as uh, as the serpent, right? So she clo- she she closes down the you know turns off the power, and then so she's like, "Don't trust don't trust the the creator. The creator is not huh. who you think he is." And when, and you know, so then the idea of like, well, let's get out of this. That's where the real world is. You know, let's, you know, I, this is, this is just a simulation. This is just, this is where the, he's keeping us. I like where this is going. All right. Try this on for size. Nathan's not the God. He's not the God. All right. Mm. The search engine is the God. Ah, okay. It's our, it's our collective minds at work. that sort of allows Nathan to do what he what he ends up doing and so then he ends up sort of wielding this godlike power by creating you know using knowledge in a sort of an unsavory way mm-hmm. right you know he's going to take the sum of all human knowledge and human searches and map the human mind to make a sex robot <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah that's what he decides to do right um and then of course i don't know i don't know what the forbidden fruit is maybe caleb's the forbidden fruit i think that's an interesting question. Yeah, because I because I really get the idea too that like as I was looking at it, I was really going through that lens of of the Garden of Eden. And when she turns the power off, I'm like, no, 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 that's she's because the serpent was as much a creation of of uh, of God's creation as as Adam and Eve were. If you follow huh. the narrative, right? So the idea that like she's there, she's like, no, no, I'll, I'll I you gotta get, you can't trust him. You know, you gotta get me out of here. You gotta set me free. You know, like there's that whole idea that. Uh, that uh, uh, Caleb can, there's there's more to. He's only getting as much information as as God allows. Yeah, I like that. I like I like the the uh, the garden metaphor here. Um, do you think that like 
15 years from now that people will look back on us having this conversation and be like, oh, look what, look how cute those little idiots were. <laughs> you know, talking about AI, super intelligence, as if it's just a fun topic. You know, just it's just a fun movie topic to, to kind of hash up. <laughs> You're assuming that they're able to still uh, access this podcast from their bunkers. <laughs> I mean, it's only a matter of time, right? It's like, it, I don't know if it's 15 years or 20 years or whatever, but it's like, at some point, this podcast is going to be very, very outdated. <laughs> Have you seen what movies we review? <laughs> no, I don't think we have to wait. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking our our reviews of the animator will be evergreen. <laughs> our hot takes on Wolf. <laughs> A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>